0: Welcome to Leading Simple with Rusty George. Our goal is to make following Jesus and leading others a bit more simple. Here's your host, Rusty George. Well, welcome to Episode 174 of Leading Simple. I'm your host, Rusty George. Boy, I'm excited about our conversation today for a couple reasons. Brian Marshall is a good friend of mine for many, many years, and he's an incredible campus pastor at the University of Kentucky, a campus of 24,000 students and he runs a college ministry that deals with thousands of students every single year. He's gonna answer some of our biggest questions about, boy, how do we help our kids when they're so far away? How do we help them keep their faith when we've worked hard for them to get it? And what do we do with a child that seems to be showing signs of depression, anxiety, distance? What do we do? Brian's gonna help us out. Well, today and throughout this month, Uh, And the next couple of months, we are really on a mission to sponsor 1,000 kids through Compassion International. Um, Over the course of COVID, we have had a lot of kids in the backlog system of Compassion that have not been sponsored. And we want to help bridge that gap. And so we're asking you to prayerfully consider uh, sponsoring a child. It'll cost you about 40 bucks a month. And boy, most of us spend that on Starbucks drinks in a week. But this would provide kids in difficult situations, in poverty, to get medical support, spiritual support, physical needs met, and education. And we want to sponsor a 1,000 kids. I've been a Compassion sponsor now for several years. We sponsor several kids through Compassion. I've been on the ground where these things happen. I've met the kids. I've met my kid that we sponsor. He's incredible, and it's an incredible organization. They've been around for over 65 years. And you can be a part of this process and project by going to Compassion.com Rusty. If you do that, then we know how we're doing on our goal to sponsor 1,000 kids. Compassion.com slash Rusty. Well, today, got a great conversation for you. Can't wait for you to hear it. Here we go, my conversation with Campus Pastor Brian Marshall. Well, Brian Marshall, welcome to the podcast. Man, I'm so glad you're with us. We go way back, but for people who do not know you, and I have told no negative stories about you, so uh, they're all thinking positively right now. Uh, please uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, you certainly would have uh, some stories to tell. I mean,
1: I just out of college, coming moving to the area where you were you were pastoring then, and running a college minister yourself in those years, and and just kind of got involved serving under you. So you you'd certainly have some stories to tell. But really, that began a journey for me that that was gosh back a. 1996 or so. We're talking quarter of a century back. We're getting old here. But uh, but yeah, I, I wound up staying in campus ministry, college ministry. Then it was at a church-based setting, uh, Southland Christian Church uh, in Lexington, Kentucky. But but uh, then I transitioned into a campus ministry-based setting here at the University of Kentucky, at a place called Christian Student Fellowship, CSF. I have been the lead campus pastor here. This is school year 17. You count in school years. So I'm on 17th school year here. I also direct a center called the Lewis House, named after C.S. Lewis, uh, here on campus. And that uh, that is kind of targeting where spiritual life, spiritual formation intersects with academic concerns. And so trying to ask questions of life of the spirit, and life of the mind with Lewis House. And then CSF is more of the Christian Student Fellowship. Part of what I do is more of the, we do Bible studies, worship services, retreats, uh, a lot of what you think of when you think of maybe a more traditional campus ministry offering.
0: Well, and the thing I love about the Lewis House is that amongst Amidst all these great works by C.S. Lewis and his contemporaries, you have a copy of Better Together by Rusty George. So thank you so much. We,
1: we, we do have a, a library here of about 7,000 books or so, and Better Together made the top 7,000.
0: It is on the shelves. <laughs> well, that's so. better than Amazon. Oh, that's great. <laughs> thank you. All right. Well, yeah. I, I have a lot of questions for you about college kids, and I feel like I'm a little bit even more interested now since I have a college-age kid. Um, but you've been dealing with college kids for a long time. I did for about nine years before I came out here. And I know a little bit about college ministry, but campus ministry is different. Help our, our listeners understand a little bit as to what that looks like, what a campus ministry is.
1: Yeah, so a campus ministry and a college ministry at a church, the, the one of the big things I would I would distinguish is proximity. Okay. So a lot of churches... You know the flight to the suburbs, where you know a lot of people have gone to the suburbs, and a lot of churches have gone. There aren't a lot of healthy churches in you know center cities. Use a Tim Keller phrase, uh, but so there a lot of the churches are, are on the outskirts of town. Well, universities tend to be down usually in town because they're older and more established and this sort of thing. And so, what a what a campus ministry that would distinguish itself from being a college minister of churches, we're, we're right here on campus. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're blessed enough to have a facility. Actually, we have, uh, we're building a second facility on campus. So we sit right in the middle of of campus. And, and one of the things that the advantages that gives us is at a, in a church type setting, you usually see your people once, maybe twice a week. Mm-hmm. We see our students three, four, five times a week. I mean, students just, because particularly for ours where we sit, we sit right in the middle of the UK campus. Uh, I mean, students just come here in the in between classes to study, uh, grab coffee, grab a muffin, whatever. We always have food laying around someplace. And so we see our students a lot. Uh, I think that's probably the proximity and the amount of time we get to see people is. one of the main differences.
0: Yeah. Okay. So connecting with students, I mean, that's half the battle. I mean, you really got to even win their interest to start with. And you see this in the church model as well. There's a bit of an attractional side of things to get people in the door. But I know that you guys have become newsworthy and even Guinness Book of World Record worthy of some of the things that you guys have done to connect with students. So tell us some of the crazy things you've done to be uh, reaching out to them
1: yeah we, we yeah we've been blessed with some of the you know we, we've we gotten some negative press here and there uh about a year ago we landed in the new york times and and uh, they were not saying the nicest things about us but but in the past we we've been you know, on jimmy fallon we've been the lead to sports center uh we've you know because we host parts. i mean one of the things kind of one of the, the the core beliefs that we would have at csf is that you know jesus jesus says i'm coming to you have life and have it to the full like the word party on a college campus has a very negative connotation. Hey, what does it mean when you say, hey, I'm going to a college party? Um, you think drugs, alcohol, all, all these kinds of things. And for us, it's like, you know what, I think we follow the author of life and he knows best what life look, looks like. And so for us, we just think as Christians, we can throw better parties than any other group on campus. And so it, it's interesting to even watch. We've had you know events where uh, literally Greek Greek groups will come over to our party and go, hey, no one's at our party. No, they're literally recruiting people, trying to get people to come from a CSF party to to those parties. And, and we'll have thousands of people. So we do an annual luau party, which is the biggest party on campus all year. We'll get, you know, some years, five, 6,000 students, probably 4,000 is probably an average. This year we did, it's Kentucky, we did a barn party, had a live country band, a mechanical bull, all kinds of 3,000 students there. We've, uh, you know, the world record holder, I think we're four-time world record holder for the world's largest water balloon fight. The most- people I think we ever had come was around 12,000 and we filled about 750,000 water balloons and so uh, you know students have a uh, literally have a blast or a burst at least at that one <laughs> so uh, lots of fun things maybe maybe the most unique maybe the most dangerous one was uh, we did uh, an event on a parking structure here on campus called the rooftop rave and I still have a video so several years ago now and it was uh, there's a water bottle in this video I have on my phone and you can see the water just vibrating back and forth and the water the water is just sitting on a table we were on one of the large, largest parking structures on campus, and we had so many students, and they were dancing and swaying so much, the entire parking structure started swaying back and forth. And so uh, the university, needless to say, and rightly so, banned events uh, and parties uh, by us on the parking structure after that. So you know, we just try to connect with students in fun ways that, that students get to come, have a good time. And for us, we, we talk a lot about a funnel. It's like, I want them to come to a big party, and I want to meet them. And I want to start to, you know, and even a lot of times they will say, Hey, gosh, if this is what you're doing, tell me more. And they'll sign up for one of our text message lists or email lists. And then, then we start this process of inviting them down the funnel. I mean, ultimately what we want to try to get every student involved into is a small group Bible study. Usually they're 10 to 12 guys, girls uh, in a group. Usually they're, they're same sex, but groups, but I wanna take them from a large party to maybe something like a large worship service, then maybe take them on a you know a weekend retreat with it's maybe a little more, intimate, and then ultimately hopefully get them into a Bible study, go grab lunches, that sort of thing. There's a lot of different ways to do that, but we start our beginning of the year stuff is just a lot of great parties where students mm-hmm. can get a sense of like, man, I wanna hang out with these people.
0: Okay, so let me ask you about that because you are not a college age student anymore. Uh, you're near my age, if I remember right. And so there's this feeling of if I'm trying to connect with college age students, I have to behave just like them, look like them, act like them. How, how do you do that? I mean, you got 12,000 people rolling around for a, a water balloon fight and you're out there just kind of working the crowd. I mean, give me the Give me the top three questions or comments you try to make to engage with a college-age student
1: yeah college i do a turn I turn 50 uh my next next birthday next august college was a few years and a few pounds ago uh so, <laughs> so it, it it definitely i don't look like a college college students don't typically guess my age they don't get me for 50 but but they're you know i had a, someone told me said so, yeah you look like you're 41 like, okay well great you know what? I'll, I'll take I, that yeah I'll, I'll take it yeah absolutely but you know i think for me Uh, I've given up that sense of trying to, to be a college student they have in spades, People their own age, thousands of people their own age around them. Mm. I think for me, I just try to be just a a genuine presence in their life of somebody who cares about them, somebody who you know. Somebody comes to one of our parties, I, I'm oftentimes at the gate, just high fiving people, <laughs> passing out you know, alate L-8. 8s a, a you know, kind of something akin to a Mountain
0: Dew or something. But it's, it's a flat Mountain Dew, is what it is.
1: Yeah, that's that's a fine way to say you know, handing those out the yeah, doors awful. as people come in. Yeah, I'm not an AL-8 fan, but it's a Kentucky beverage. People people love it, and so I'm just they're trying to connect with people. Hey, what are you studying? What made you pick UK? Um, hey, how'd you hear about CSF? You know, what can I, if you need anything, man, reach out to us. And so um, just, just trying to have just to have a place on campus because so many people come here. They may know one or two people from their high school, but by and large, people go to college and they don't have a deep connect, a deep circle of friends the way wherever they came from. And so they're looking for something like that. And so I, I, if I can just be a friendly face, you know, as at my age at this point, I'm more of the dad who's connecting with them or, you know, I was the older brother in my forties, but we've got a lot of younger staff who they can do that. Hey, I'm 22, 23, do that type of relational work. For me, it's more of just, I just want to be an older figure who cares about them and everybody wants to be loved.
0: Yeah, no, that's really good. Um, okay. I want to drill down on this because I I remember when I was (laughs) in college age ministry, usually around September, uh, October, some mom from some you know, county in Kentucky would call me up and say, my son, he's at UK and I need you to call him and get him to come to church because he's got a really good heart. Well, that probably means he's out living it up his freshman year. Um, what are the things as parents that we assume about our kids, uh, when they go off to college that aren't accurate? And what are the things that we, we probably should be assuming about them that we often miss? I mean, what do you think we kind of overlook there or miss out on?
1: I think probably what we miss out on is the opportunity to form our children in, in deeper ways than we realize. Mm. Um, I think that um, everything that we do is formational in life, everything that we do. And I think we miss out on um, that, that how I teach my kids, what I teach my kids to love is going to have immense uh, impact on their lives. I mean, I will say just to, not to be discouraging uh, about this at all, because I do see plenty of students who come come to college, they have no faith background, or maybe came and thought, I'm gonna leave my parents' faith behind when I get to college to do this. And they come to a place like CSF or another campus ministry, and they get connected and they go, wow, no, I don't wanna leave this behind. In fact, actually I'm more serious about my faith now than I was in high school, or I didn't go to it. So, so there are good stories, but, those are some of the toughest phone calls to get. When, when parents call and say, hey, I, you know, we went to church some, but we were involved in sports. We missed a lot of church because we were out you know, at volleyball tournaments and soccer tournaments and all that stuff. Can you get my son now to be serious about his faith that he's in college? That's a really, really hard phone call. We do it. I will call every student who, who's given to us, but that's a really hard phone call to get. And so I think the recognition for, for parents is that start really young I don't think you can start too young in teaching your, your, your um, teaching your kids what to love. Uh, I think what they love is at the center of everything. And, and so uh, James K Smith has this great book, a little 150 page book. You are what you love. I think shaping our, our kids loves. I mean, like my son just recently uh, actually just last night was, Hey dad, he's got, he plays for a travel soccer team and said, Hey, um, and and they practice on Wednesday nights. So a lot of weeks we'll leave and he, he goes to church. He'll leave practice early and his coaches are okay with it. And, and, uh, but you know, he asked me last night. He said, "Hey, Dad, can I stay for all soccer practice tonight?" And he said, "I, I just feel like I, I want to be with the team tonight." And I said, "Yeah, okay, that, that's good." I said, "You know, for us, church is an every week thing. Reading your Bible is a regular part of your personal devotional life, um, but youth group." I want it to be a consistent thing for you, but we don't need to be legalist here. You can you can skip church occasionally, but, but if I'm doing the reverse of that, where it's like, I'm only occasionally going to church, I'm only occasionally showing up to youth group or, or whatever it is, or occasionally reading my Bible, but we're, we're teaching students to love sports, we're teaching them to love, you know uh, staying on their phone for social media, whatever it is, everything we do in life is formational. And I think we miss that uh, a lot of times as parents, that everything is forming them. So teach them what to love at an early age.
0: Man, that is so good. I'd love to ask you more about that because I know you have three kids and you are, I mean, you're a great parent and you are modeling for them, teaching them what to love. Give our listeners a little bit more of what are some of the practical things that might teach our kids what to love?
1: Yeah. I mean, again, I think so much uh, of what we do with our bodies matters. We're these hybrid spirit, you know, hybrid creatures of part spirit, part body. And so what we do with our bodies really does matter. And it really does teach our spirits and hearts. And so sometimes it may, it may, you may feel like you're dragging them to church and they're getting nothing out of it. Um, but, but I think being consistent at church, consistent church attendance, you know, don't, don't you know, as the scripture says, don't give up, you know, the habit of meeting together as some, as some do. And so I think going to church regularly, um, having personal encouraging your kids just pick up their bible even if it's just you know, version you know that great little bible app just if it's just something like hey here's a verse of the day here's one bible verse let's just take a second and read this and you know let's talk about it for a minute let's pray before meals let's uh you know let's uh, songs on the radio hey you know is can we can we somehow have some some conversation about faith connected to it because the thing i the thing i think is is that if you put faith at the center of life and it's so central to you when they go off to college, it's going to take more work to get rid of that. Mm -hmm. But if faith in in Jesus is something more ancillary, it's just something we did on occasion. We occasionally went to church. We occasionally would maybe at Christmas or Easter, maybe have a conversation about about something. if it's ancillary to your life, it is easy to tear off a wing of a building. It's really hard to tear out the guts of a building, mm. um, and so you, you just want to put put it there in the center in the center of life for them. And so I just think, yeah, what you do with your body, just take them to church, get them in youth group, send them to summer camp. I mean, again, there's no perfect formula, and even again, my son last night, hey dad, I want to go to all soccer practice. Okay, Caleb, go to soccer practice tonight, um, but but we want to do youth group is something consistently I want for you, and and he's he's acquiring a taste. For that, and even wants that for himself. Yeah. Part of it because he's he's 12 now and he's like, Dad, there are a lot of cute girls at youth group. So
0: um,
1: <laughs> you know, oh, the yeah. backsliding's
0: already started. <laughs> oh, it's a slippery slope, Brian. Yeah. Um yeah. okay, well, okay, let's say we send that that's great about prepping our kids for sending them off. Um, what do you what do you recommend to parents that they've dropped their kid off at college and there's that constant tension of of how much should I be involved in their life? How much should I let them be adults? I'm sure it changes year by year, but what do you see the best parents do when it comes to interacting with their kids after they've left home?
1: Yeah, again, it, it so much of it starts before and it's like you have set them up uh, beforehand and, and you you have those those tough conversations and, and over and over again before they go. But once they go, I would say even actually before they go to college, one of the things that that I'm shocked that that many Christian parents never consider is when they're picking at college for their son or daughter. They don't look at the spiritual climate on campus. Mm. You know, certainly, some parents are like, "Hey, I'm sending my son or daughter to the Christian college or whatever," and there's certainly some great Christian colleges around to send send students to, and they they grow in faith. I know you've got a you've got a daughter at, at a Christian college, and so uh, I was hoping she might come a little further east and come to come to UK, but she stopped off in Missouri there.
0: Not going to be a wildcat, my friend.
1: <laughs> not going to be a wildcat. That's okay. Well, uh, but but you know, for for parents though to ask because obviously that's not the right fit for some parents, somebody who wants to be, you know, a, a particular engineering degree or maybe a medical degree or something like that, that maybe a Christian college doesn't offer. Uh, a state university is for a lot of students, cost factors may be the right fit. But but to ask what university you go to, to say, hey, what's the spiritual climate like? What are the campus ministries like here? Uh, is there a thriving community? Because we are, we are social animals. We are going to be, all of us, every single one of us are going to be su- shaped by our surroundings. And so asking, you know, how, what are the college ministries like? And don't just do that when you drop them off. After you've made that college decision, well, hopefully there's something there. But I think so many times we think about ourselves, we think about our students, our, our, our children, and we think about what questions. What are they going to do? What are they going to become? And, and I think the formational, the foundational question is who, the who question? Who are they going to be? And so, you you ask that question ultimately as Christ followers, we go, Hey, I want them to be a Jesus. I don't care if they're a doctor, lawyer, nurse, school teacher, you know, stay at home, mom, whatever it is. I want them to be a Christ follower. Um, well then don't, don't just ask what questions when it comes to college ask who questions as well who are they going to be around uh, who is the community what what this christian community who are going to be the people that that encourage them to follow jesus so i think you know that would be a key question right before it will in the selection process of college that i'm shocked more parents don't make once you drop them off pray um, send money to campus ministries like CSF. Our address is uh, something. No, I'm, I'm kidding. But uh, we have a lot of generous supporters. But, you know, I pray for them, encourage them, let them know. Uh, one of the things I love is when I see parents come through on their college tours and they bring their sons, daughters, and they go, hey, here's CSF. Can I introduce you to the staff? we, we love it. I, I would encourage parents to even go to a campus ministry environment. We have high school students uh, who show up at our campus ministry stuff because they go, Hey, I'm thinking about coming to UK. Well, then come check out CSF, be a part of a worship service night and you can see what it's like. So, uh, you know, I, again, I hesitate to be too negative about it, but once you drop them off, you have you have let them go. I mean, if, if I could use the comparison, it's like, once you've, you've handed off your daughter, I know you and I, you've got a couple daughters. I've got a couple daughters and a son. Once you put their hand in the hand of that person they're marrying, like I, I'm surrendering a lot of my influence there. Um, yeah. and so, uh, I, I want to, I want to maximize that influence in helping them make the good decisions about who to marry. Similarly, I want to maximize my influence before they go to college and the types of things they'll be involved with at college.
0: Okay, let's say that they've gone off to college, and they're a year or two in, um, and and they're struggling, but they don't want to talk about it. You know, I, I hear horror stories all the time of we hadn't heard from her from di- for days, and so we actually drove out there to find her, and she was in depression in her room in the fetal position. You know, are are there are there uh, warning signs that you've seen in students that parents should be looking out for? that might point towards depression, anxiety, suicidal ideation, eating disorders, those kind of things that a parent could be on the lookout for via text, phone call, FaceTime, whatever?
1: Yeah, I think I see a lot of things with isolation. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think obviously just having come out of uh, you know some pretty serious uh, lockdowns on university campuses across America last year. And in reading some of the literature that's coming out about that, not surprisingly, students were, were really struggling with uh, right. you know, depression and the like and, and some of the, the ramifications of that. And so I think one of the big things I would listen to if I was a parent is, do I hear them talking about friends? When I call them, they say, Oh yeah, last night we went out with such and such, or you know, I'm I'm studying with my you know a group of people from my biology class, we're meeting over at the library, and then we're going to you know grab a bite to eat afterwards, or those kinds of things. I think listening to do they have friends? Because the students I see get in trouble are those students who they, they maybe move, they don't they know one or two people, but then they get to college and those people find other friend groups, and now it's like, ah, oh, I feel stranded, I'm stuck and alone. And so I would listen for community markers in their life. Do they have those those people or are they just are they just all alone? And that's, again, where uh, helping them find a Christian community on campus is, is, is so pivotal because uh, it gives them a place to go, okay, I don't just have to hang out in my dorm room alone all weekend. I've got some people to go on a hike with or go see a movie with or, or whatever it is.
0: Hey, let me interrupt for just a second. If you haven't listened to our bonus episode with Kiwani, she tells what it's like to be a sponsored child through Compassion and the difference that it makes. Make sure you check that out wherever you get your podcasts through the Leading Simple Podcast bonus episode back in October. And we're asking you to sponsor a child today. Go to Compassion.com slash Rusty. And you get to change the life of somebody forever. Okay, back to our episode. You you guys do a a series at... um csf during your teaching time called dirty laundry i think it's a phenomenal idea um, where you allow students to kind of write down just the secrets they've been carrying and they kind of submit it anonymously and then there's a code number with it and you your staff kind of submits a uh, uh you know kind of a a helpful piece of encouragement or teaching or whatever via the web yeah um what kind of things are our students carrying nowadays that maybe they weren't seventeen years ago when you first started this and and how do you see kind of social media um, accelerating some of those things
1: yeah I mean not surprisingly I don't, I don't think this is anything revolutionary uh, but I mean, sexual addiction types of issues are are you know absolutely rampant I mean you just see people it, it is I take it as almost a uh, assumption at this point. I, I, it's an assumption I make that if I'm dealing with a college student, unless he tells me he is not struggling with porn, I just assume he is. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because students have been handed iPhones since very early on, and uh, you know, I know my wife and I've made some strong scene how many students struggle with this. We, you know, there's there's other phones that have come out there. We just bought a, a, something called the Wise Phone, where there's it's a phone that can text, they can you know send us messages and whatever, but there's no internet connection. There's no anything like that. Even the pictures that are sent in gets sent into a family portal. So, uh, you know, it's got navigation devices, all that stuff on it. Hmm. Um, but I just see people coming in with so many addictions. And I hear students, actually, uh, one of our one of our staff members comes to mind here, a young guy. And he said, uh, when I was in high school, I begged my parents for an iPhone and they refused. They just said, no, we're not doing it. We're not getting it. You know, when you're out on your own, you make your own money, you, you want to buy it. Uh, you're in college. We can't stop you. But while you're here, you're not going to have one. He said, and it really caused some some uh, some tension points with his parents, and he said he got to college and he started talking to all his friends. He realized they all had porn addictions, and he did. Mm. And 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 he said, you know, I was really really thankful for my parents for protecting me and and being willing to go. I don't care if you're mad at me. I don't care if you're mad at me in the short run, um, but in the long run, we we want to produce character in you and and filters and all that stuff that parents put on. Uh, your kids are always going to be smarter than, than than parents on this stuff, and so they're always going to because it only takes one friend at school to tell them, hey, here's how you get around the filter. Here's how you do whatever, and then you're not going to be the wiser to it. So so you know, I think sexual addiction is obviously an enormous one. Um I, I do think there is uh, just overall mental health issues. I think depression is more widespread, anxiety, those kinds of things. I do think social media is a is is an enormous problem. The literature bears this out that you can see it tracking the data in young people, especially the rise of the iPhone and the rise of social media and the like, that um it, it basically mirrors um the percentages of people who get uh iPhones. So I'd say everybody has this, but you can watch the proportionality um, works itself out in this regard and so yeah it used to be we had to compare ourselves to the people at, around our high school um, but now you have to compare yourself to people in every high school in America like what's that person look like what are they driving what do they look like what funny videos are they posting what dangerous things are they and it's just this t- total comparison game that just it just wears on people it particularly wears on young women I think um, and and I see that with with young girls but but guys as well, it has its own toll on them. So I would say probably sexual addiction, uh, mental mental health, that sort of thing are some of the big ones that I see.
0: You know, I think we often assume that when a, a student goes off to college that they're an adult now and they're ready to handle the world. But I was listening to a podcast the other day and this, uh, you know, parenting expert and psychologists talked about that actually, uh, you know, adolescence lasts from about the age of nine to 25. Now, Mm -hmm. you know, that's how long it takes your brain to fully develop. And you are so sensitive during that time that you really can't weed out a lot of the things that come in. And, and, you know, we look at it as adults and go, ah, that's nothing. Stop doing that. You know, but they look at it as this is the biggest problem I've ever experienced. You know, this is the biggest thing in my world. So with that in mind, um, You've seen a lot of college students you've been through a lot of school years do The college students is it like high school like the breakfast club there's like five types of people, and now we're in college and there's five groups of people i mean are are there some broad generalities we can look at and say, yeah there's four or five different groups of kids in college, and we can kind of figure out where our kids fall into that.
1: Yeah, you know, I, I think some of the the broad distinctions that that used to hold don't quite hold in the same way they did. You know, it used to be like if you were a, if you were an athlete, you know, you weren't reading Lord of the Rings. Uh, you know, it's like, well, you're you're part of the nerd group or whatever, and and you know, and vice versa, whatever. But there, there does seem to be, and I think I think uh, you know, there's a lot of different reasons for this, but some of the broad distinctions don't hold. But but I would say, you know, yeah, you certainly see there's people uh, at a school like UK. There's athletes. You know, there's about 500 uh, athletes here, and, and they kind of, you know, can have their own world and their own commitments. I would say there's there's parties, people who come to college, and it's like, man, I don't care anything about, I don't care if I make it past year one, I don't care if I make it past semester one, I'm just going to, you know, every, the negative, the darker terminology, or, or the darker way of using the word party, they're going to be out there. Uh, you, you know, you certainly have your um, your um, your Greeks, the Greek community, people who, you know, that's where they find their community. You, you certainly on a campus, most campuses, they have groups that would be you know they would probably view themselves as social justice advocates they're they're on campus to learn more about how to impact the world in the ways that they think is 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 going to be helpful you 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 probably have some people who are what i would call the just here's like i'm just here because you know I just always thought i'd go to college I, I want to get a decent job and so i'm not passionate about academics i'm not passionate about getting straight a's or whatever but but I but i'm just here to get a degree uh and of course there's you know there's a lot of students today and, and actually i would want to encourage parents with this there are a lot of students today who who want to follow jesus on campus mm-hmm. and campuses don't don't publicize that they don't talk about that because of uh, some of the connotations of that but there are on Pretty much every campus that I know of, there are communities of, uh, uh, communities who are following Jesus of college students. Now, some campuses have more than others and are, are more thriving than others, but, but there are Christians on, on campuses across America.
0: So every, every parent I know of a kid that's in college suddenly is very interested in helping their kids find their faith whether they ever were before, and we talked about that a little bit, Mm -hmm. but you just mentioned there are some on campus that really do want to follow Jesus, and obviously some that are not, but might find themselves in such a crisis when they realize, boy, I really do need hope and help. What are some books, resources, blogs, websites, podcasts that you're finding are helping students right now make their faith their own and develop their faith?
1: I mean, there's gosh, there's such a plethora of stuff out there. In fact, it's it's some ways it's because there's a thousand, there's ten thousand different options out there of pastors and young Christians and these sorts of things who have these podcasts and whatever that are out there. But you know, I some of the students I saw just from my local experience here, some of the ones that I hear people talking about, you know, the Better Together book was one that, that really of course, stuck yeah. goes without sort of, saying. Yeah swept across <laughs> campus. Uh, but besides, besides Rusty George books, uh, you know, I, John Tyson is a pastor out of New York city, uh, yeah. church, uh, he's at a place called church of the city in New York. Uh, I hear a lot of students who listen to John Tyson and get, he, he preaches with a, um, with, a, with a, and he's in New York city. So he can't just get away with cheap, you know, maybe Bible belt cliches. He's got to speak to an audience that maybe doesn't even share some of the assumptions that, that, he does as a, as a pastor, and so I, I like. But he does it in a very passionate way. There's he he combines uh, head and heart in a very good way. Tyson, somebody that I hear students talking about, um, you know, uh, certainly books. John Mark Comer is another one that a lot of our students uh, ha- have read and liked. Another pastor, uh, a younger voice that I hear students talk about that they're really passionate about. She's known her family's known through the Duck Dynasty series, but uh, Sadie Robertson, uh, Sadie Robertson Huff, I think is, is she's gotten married. I think just had her first kid. Uh, she is. Someone that a lot of our girls listen to. I hear people go, Sadie, I love it, and and I've I've heard her preach before. She's actually very, very gifted. In fact, gosh, seeing her on stage at at Passion a couple of years ago, I was not there personally, but I watched the video and I thought, oh my goodness, this girl is an amazing communicator. At whatever she was in 23 years old, Uh, just she she's another one that that a lot of people listen to. But but again, Tim Keller, Tim Keller goes is one that a lot of people listen to and like Uh, his book, Making Sense of God. In fact, if you really want to want kind of a thoughtful but but uh, a book that gets at kind of some of the modern presuppositions that that are kind of just assumed on the college campus, that book, you don't even have to read it straight through. Just pick a few of the chapters. Look into in, making sense of God is uh, is a fabulous book of his. Of course, you know, I, I work at a place called Lewis house. I'm sitting in Lewis house right now on this podcast. Uh, you know, C.S. Lewis actually has a lot of staying power. We've got uh, a bunch of students who read Lewis books that of course we, we keep them out and about and, and students grab them. But, you know, I find students still love reading books like screw tape letters or great divorce or certainly mere Christianity and, and uh, who go? Wow. Okay, I didn't realize how how I you know that that my my faith could be uh, not just. Personal and, and, and felt at a heartfelt level, but also intellectually rich. I had, I had lunch today with a student. He's a sophomore a guy, you know, kind of a jock guy. Grew up playing soccer, this sort of thing. He's he's uh, studying education. He said he went to a Bible study that we had sponsored here at Lewis House actually earlier this week, and it was a professor was was leading it. Uh, study through First Peter. He said I didn't even understand half the words the professor used, but he said he said I got that he was serious about his faith. And I got that there was way more to faith than I realized Mm. he said, and I absolutely loved it. Um, and so, um, so yeah, those are just a few of the resources. Again, there's so many, so many things out there, so many podcasts and and like, it'd be hard to, hard to name, but, um, you know, I, the thing I would encourage parents to do would be start thinking for your children before they have to think for themselves. Um, right now you get to experiment with ideas and and talking with them through things. They're on like a three foot tightrope and they're just kind of walking through things here. Uh, uh, you know, that narrow way Jesus says to follow him. They can, you know, if they fall off here, you're right there. You can help pick them back up. The, but you send them off to college, they're further away from you. They're not three feet off the ground. They're a hundred feet off the ground. And so, and so think, help them think, push yourself, listen to podcasts, listen to YouTube videos on critical race theory. What does that mean as a, as a, as a Christian? And there's different views on how Christians lean into that or uh, stuff that the university, I had a meeting today earlier with a girl who works for the university and she's being forced to, to share some things about uh, DEI, diversity, equity, inclusion, that she's like, you know, I, I, I some of this stuff makes sense to me as a Christian, but the extremes to which some of it goes, she's like, I, I just don't think I can. I, I want to espouse that, and she's like, I, I, she's feeling kind of pressured into to saying some things she doesn't. So I would say, as parents, just think for your kids because uh, before you send them off, because there's going to be plenty of people who are who are thinking hard about how to essentially convert them when they come to college. And I do think conversion is the right is the right word there.
0: Yeah, that's so good. Well, Brian, this has been it's a lot of fun for me just to chat with you, but uh, I think it's been really helpful for our listeners uh, who have college age students or soon to be uh, a great cautionary tale, but also encouraging as to uh, just how smart our kids are and how we can help them. So thank you. I appreciate this, man. Yeah, thanks uh, for us. Any, uh, any any uh, funny moments on stage you care to share? We, uh, we often ask our, our communicators to tell us a stage faux pas that they have made.
1: Oh my gosh. Well, I, I am known. And sometimes I do it with a little, I, I yeah, I, it's college students. And so you make, you know, just anything that even gets close to the topic of sex, they're going to be giggling and laughing. And it's like the, it's the never ending 13 year old out there. And so I, gosh, I, <laughs> that one, I'm, I'm stumped for, I've had, I've had so many over the years, um, you know, that it's, it's bad I will say one time you know because we're on a college campus and we, we've got um, we've got one and, and if this needs to just be edited out you can but I was we, we throw these parties and we have these you know we serve food Jesus, food was a part of Jesus's ministry and hospitality and the like and so we've been grilling a bunch of food out and, and we had these we have these enormous grills and, and I sent a message through our through our app uh, kind of hurriedly moving so maybe this is a, a cautionary tale for pastors to not move too quickly. I sent a message out in our in our app to our the rest of our staff. We, there's about 35 of us here on staff. I sent a message out to our app to um, to chain the grills up in the back because I didn't want the grills getting stolen over the weekend. And so I said, "Hey, uh, you need to chain the chain chain the big chain the big grills up in the back." And but instead what I had put in my hurried uh, typing was someone needs to make sure we chain the big girls up in the back and uh and yeah so this this needless to say got got so many memes and and the like and our staff just absolutely roasted me brian telling us to chain the big girls up in the back uh that is not what i meant to say
0: man that is that's just so wrong (laughs) that's that's so great
1: (laughs) so again if you need to edit that out
0: well good for you my friend good for you uh well uh (laughs) Happens to the best of us. Well, I'm proud of you, man. Thanks for all you're doing, and I appreciate you being on the podcast today.
1: Yeah, thanks, Russ.
0: Well, as always, thanks for listening. Love for you to share this with a friend. Love for you to review and rate this podcast. It would mean the world to me. Love to hear from you. You can DM me on Instagram at Rusty L. George. A reminder that we're sponsoring Kids Through Compassion International. Compassion.com slash Rusty sign up to sponsor a kid today, sit down with your family tonight over dinner and say, hey, let's sponsor a kid through compassion and we will all be a part of the letter writing process. In fact, if you want to know how big that letter writing process is for the sponsored child, listen to my bonus episode that we provided a few weeks ago with a conversation with a woman named Kawani who was a sponsored child through compassion. You can see that in the show notes, but also Uh, through wherever you're getting your podcasts. Next week, I'm excited to have this conversation with a pastor you may not have heard of, but he's in the Northern California area. His name is Andy Wood, and he's just got some great insight for all of us. Whether you're a pastor or not, he's gonna talk about things that he would do differently during COVID, uh, multi-site issues with churches and work-life balance. You're not gonna wanna miss it. We will talk to you soon. As always, keep leading simple.